Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. My college friends love to tell the story about the first time they heard me speak up. I'm a pretty mild-mannered, quiet person, and most of you probably know that about me by now, and in college I was quite shy. But one day, we were hanging out in the dorm, four or five of us, including this one guy, Steve. And Steve, who honestly had a reputation for being quite a jerk, started making fun of one of my friends, picking on her because of her struggles with mental health issues. He said something stupid like, you know, you'd be a lot more fun if you stopped acting so depressed all the time. Well, that was it. I was angry. I stood up, put my shoulders back and said, actually, Steve, you'd be a lot more fun if your negative self-image and fragile ego didn't cause you to act like a jerk and pick on other people all the time. Mic drop. The room was silent. Everyone was slack-jawed, except for Steve, who shut his mouth for once and didn't open it again for the rest of the night. Holy, righteous anger. You know, Paul doesn't list that in the fruits of the Spirit. It's not one that makes the list. Instead, Paul encourages us to have patience self-control, to show kindness, and in all things to live in a spirit of love. So this may cause us to think that there's no place for anger in a good Christian life. Some of us were taught from an early age that kindness and anger could not coexist, that anger should be subsumed under the greater moral good of politeness. And yet anger is a natural human emotion. God created us to get angry at times. The letter to the Ephesians is meant to provide all Christians, not just the ancients and not just those living in Ephesus, with guidance about how to live now that they are following the way of Christ. Christians are called to be imitators of God Ephesians 4 tells us, be angry, but do not sin. Be angry. We know there are times when God gets angry and times too when Jesus, the very Prince of Peace, gets angry. But it's not a willy-nilly anger or an anger rooted in ego. God's anger comes like the anger parents know all too well an anger rooted in wanting to protect one's children, an anger rooted in frustration when the path of possibility is clear and we, in our foolishness, choose fear or self-centeredness or fail to live into our best selves. And Christ's anger, the most clear example of which is when he flips the money changers' tables in the temple, comes in response to injustice when humankind exploits the weak, props up systems that oppress and demean, when God's beloved are given no dignity and denied help and healing. 
Yes, if we are called to be imitators of God and followers of Jesus, we are called to get angry when humankind chooses to turn away from what is right. It should enrage us when we witness oppression and poverty and violence, when people and systems deny the inherent worth of others, when fairness is forgotten and hope is stamped out. But the words of Ephesians continue, but do not sin. Yes, anger can be an appropriate response in today's world, but it can be oh so dangerous too. Do not let your anger grow so powerful that it causes you to sin, to turn away from God. It can be tempting at times. There is a lot to be angry about. The world is not a fair place for too many. Too often justice is denied or deferred so far down the road that it seems a hollow promise. Perhaps you're feeling angry about this Delta variant and how our season of pandemic seems to stretch on and on with more suffering, more disappointment, more devastation wrought each day. I am angry. It is good and right to be angry, but do not sin. Rail against God if you must, yell at the TV, point fingers, have a good cry, but don't let the sun go down on your anger. At the end of the day, remember that we are called not to throw up our hands and turn away from God or from our calling to be imitators of God, Christians following the path of Jesus. Instead, we must remember what God does in God's anger. When the precious one, the embodiment of love, God's beloved incarnate son is murdered at the hands of the mob, at the direction of the state, as even the apostles stood by, God responds not with wrath, but with grace, with a grace that extends to include all those who act foolishly against their own self-interest, with a grace that covers all whose fear gets the better of them, with a grace that promises a new tomorrow when the day ends in tragedy, with a grace that continues to affirm the blessedness of all creation and offers another chance in the morning. We too are called to hope in tomorrow. We are called to feel anger, but to never worship that anger in place of a God who, at the end of the day, offers forgiveness and grace and possibility. We are called to feel anger and to trust that anger may even lead to good, to empowerment and bravery and transformation, but we cannot give that anger room to lodge overnight room to take up permanent residence in our hearts in such a way that we lose sight of the blessedness of life and the lives of others. How might we, who stand in the shadows of our anger, use that anger to enhance the humanity of another? What would that look like for you or for me? Whose humanity can we uplift, support, and bless this week? What anger in us needs to be better channeled 
better understood or diffused for the sake of our own well-being or the well-being of others. Holy God, in this week to come, help us to be angry, but not to sin, and to use our holy anger in ways that serve your ways of justice, peace, grace, and the blessedness of all creation. Amen.